This episode is sponsored by Liza Nash Taylor's new novel, In All Good Faith, and the link to purchase it is in the show notes. Author Jane Healy raves, Liza Nash Taylor's Depression-era novel, In All Good Faith, is a beautifully written story about the power of perseverance and resiliency in the hardest of times. Healy adds, meticulously researched with rich detail and strong female characters that you root for, I loved this story and know it will delight Taylor's current fans and is sure to gain her many more. I also did a Q&A with Liza on my site's blog if you want to learn more about the book, and In All Good Faith is available now wherever books are sold. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works, or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group, as well as Liza Nash Taylor, author of In All Good Faith, for sponsoring this episode. Today, I am chatting with Heather Caliendo of Book Club Chat for my 150th episode. I have to say, I truly can't believe that I've made it to 150, and I want to say thanks to all of you for helping me get here. Heather runs the website Book Club Chat, where she chats books, does author Q&As, creates book club questions, and more. For this episode, we are discussing celebrity and high-profile book clubs, I hope you enjoy our conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Heather. How are you today? Hi, Cindy. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well also, and I'm so glad you're here. It's so fun that we've gotten into this tradition of every 50 episodes chatting, and I'm glad that we're here and we get to talk about celebrity book clubs today. Yes, I'm so happy to be back. And yeah, it's always good to check in on what you're reading. And this is a really fun, fun topic that we're going to talk about today. And even talking about the title, Celebrity Book Clubs, I think is a little narrow because one of the ones that we both like a lot is the Good Morning America Club, and that's not really a celebrity club. So I was guessing maybe we should be saying celebrity and high-profile book clubs. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good, a good way to put it because, yeah, when you think about Good Morning America, how they don't have a face with it, you know, they don't have a celebrity with it, which is kind of interesting because they probably could have maybe one of the anchors, but maybe they just don't want they don't read. So I wonder you know, who's really picking it. And you know, I'm sure there's probably a whole big committee that, that picks it. But uh, I, I think it's funny because I consider that the best one. And like you said, there's not a celebrity <laughs> tied to it. Well, I consider it the best one too. And I was thinking the same thing this morning when I was kind of going and looking at each website and refreshing my memory a little bit about picks. And I wondered who was picking their books because they're doing a wonderful job. And We'll talk a little bit about this later when we delve into that one, but I also feel like their website is strong and the things they do with the books are strong. So I'm so curious now as to who is running it. No, I know. Well, maybe they'll hear this and they'll tell us. 
Well, so I kind of was looking around and making sure I covered as many as I could. So I'm going to just quickly skim through the names of the ones that I could find, and then we can talk a little bit about that, and then we can delve into the three that we really like. So I found Oprah, obviously, the queen of the book club and the kind of original celebrity to start one, and then Reese's book club, and then Read with Jenna, which is tied in with Jenna Bush Hager on the Today Show, Good Morning America, which we've already highlighted. Emma Roberts and Bellatrist, which I do see some, I'm not sure I could name a single pick, but I do see that club as a more high profile club than some of the ones I'm getting ready to mention. Emma Watson had a club called Our Shared Shelf, which she left in 2020. So I guess Our Shared Shelf is still around. That's a tongue twister. Um, is still around, but she is no longer tied to it, is my understanding. And then Sarah Jessica Parker has SJP picks, but I was having a hard time finding much about that. And then Jimmy Fallon has his summer book club where he picks the five and then has everybody vote. And that just happened recently. And then it looks like Gwyneth Paltrow has a book club called Goop Book Club, which, again, I hadn't really seen much about until recently. And then Literati, which I think is a book company, and they have tagged a variety of celebrities who then monthly make picks is the way I understand it. Almost like a book of the month, but instead you align with a celebrity or whoever that is that you think you, you're choices would line up with and you get sent a book a month. I think that's how that works. And there's Steph Curry, Ellen Hildebrand, Susan Orlean, Jessamyn Ward, and a bunch of others. Did I leave anything off? I, I don't so. What's interesting on Sarah Jessica Parker was I couldn't find very much, but in one of the photos that I found for August 2021, she has a selection. So okay. she must be operating it, but I don't know where because it was really hard to find much information at all. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. I wonder why she wouldn't promote it more. I don't know if they all just think, you know, they're going to get the Reese kind of success. Uh, and then when it doesn't happen, they just kind of lose interest. So uh, I don't know. And I didn't look on Sarah Jessica Parker's Instagram. And I know originally GMA was mainly on Instagram. And then as it's grown, they've kind of developed their website and done more. So it may be that that's where her stuff is. And I just didn't look. And I had no idea Gwyneth Paltrow had started a book club. I either. I wonder what kind of book she's going to go for. I wonder if they're going to be more, you know, self-help, nonfiction, that kind of category, or if she's actually going to go more for fiction. So hmm, we'll see. And you target some of the different celebrity book clubs for the questions that you do for book club chat, correct? I do. Yeah. You know, originally I didn't really pay much attention to, to what the celebrities were reading. You know, I think too, it was maybe fairly new. Uh, maybe Bruce had been doing it about a year or so before I started book club chat. And then um, I started to get requests for it. I think I was when Untamed, when she chose that, that one was where I really realized that, oh, wow, so book clubs actually follow what celebrity book clubs read. So I, I don't know why. I just didn't think that, I thought maybe they would here and there, but I actually think there's a good crowd of them that really pay attention to what they all pick and select from one of the celebrity ones. Uh, and mainly Reese. I think there's actually probably some that just read every um, every pick she has or pretty much every pick. And uh, I, I, I was actually kind of surprised by that. But, you know, I, I think just maybe the average reader isn't as involved with, with all the different books out there like we are. So it might be just kind of easy. Okay, here's what they picked. So we're just going to read that and not have to go much more. But um, yes, yeah, so I do. I mainly follow Reese and Reese's Book Club and read with Jenna and Good Morning America. And I've done a little bit of Oprah here and there. But the, those other three are the ones that I really follow. Well, those seem to be the ones that I hear people talk about the most by far. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Reese, you know, this 
obviously the the biggest celebrity of all, you know, <laughs> uh, the, for the book clubs. Oh, I guess I don't know. I guess she. I guess with Oprah though, I don't know who would be the bigger one. Maybe they're they're kind of even. I guess maybe they're they're super popular in a different way because I view it with why Reese has, has become so popular. Because um, I was looking the other day at the New York Times list, and I was like, gosh, out of the ten bestsellers for this particular week, week three were. Reese's picks, so of her most recent ones, and I, I think people probably wonder if she'll make it into a TV series or a movie, or you know, would already have done. I guess she didn't pick Big Little Lies, but that probably what started her on this journey. But with Little Fires Everywhere, she did that, and I think she's turning the Cactus into a, a movie for Netflix. So, why do you think hers is is so popular compared to some of the other ones? Because I, I think right now, I think hers is probably the most popular, even maybe more popular than Oprah's right now. I think you're right. And I'm so curious about that as well. But I was also thinking about how I view it because I, every month, am dying to see what is picked and I pay attention. And then I was actually going to tell you there's a website, booknerdalert.com. And I'm assuming it's a woman, but she always has the picks early and spoilers and people who've seen the stickers on books, or she must have other ways too that things get leaked to her. But days and days ahead, she usually will begin to post spoilers. And then when I was getting ready for our conversation today, I was looking and I was like, I rarely read the Reese picks. I mean, rarely. And I do read more of the Jenna and Good Morning America picks, so it makes more sense. But I was kind of laughing. I'm like, why am I so curious to see what's picked when half the time or three quarters of the time, it's not something I'm probably going to read? But I think it is because, particularly for Reese, but even for the other two, they almost always hit the New York Times list. They do. Yeah, it's I think it's pretty rare if one of their picks does not. Now, it might only be on there for a week or two. I do think there are some that have that initial hit and then it kind of there's not a lot of buzz with it. Reese went through that whole deal where she was going to hire a librarian and I don't know whatever happened with that, but I do feel like her picks have gotten a little stranger in the last like 9 to 10 months. Oh my gosh, I totally agree and you know, I could probably just go on and on about this in preparation, I was looking at all her older picks and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that she picked Daisy Jones, Where the Crawdads Sing, The Giver of Stars. And then I was introduced to Next Year in Havana because she picked it. And I, I love that book. And uh, same with the henna artist. And there were, uh, there were several others that I was like, wow, she used to pick all stars. I mean, Little Fires Everywhere was one of her picks. And I agree that it's kind of taken an odd turn. I think in the past, yeah, I think, you know, about yeah, a year and a half, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know what goes into the decision making. I don't know if it's deals with publishers or I, I know that they're trying to maybe do all kinds of stories and people with different backgrounds and different settings. And But she's picking a lot of thrillers too this year. <laughs> she has picked a lot of thrillers. Maybe she is just trying to kind of, find her own spot. And I mean, she doesn't need to, because I do think you're right. She's the most popular, but maybe she's just trying to have some type of branding because I think that Read with Jenna and the Good Morning America picks, you know, they're also really making sure they cover a wide variety of backgrounds and different people's stories, but they're also picking really good books, you know? And so it's interesting. And I'm sure Maybe different people are drawn to different ones. I'm sure there are plenty of people saying we love all these things that Reese is picking and maybe don't like what Jenna's picking as much. So it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of fan Facebook groups that I'm in because I, I, I'm always curious what just people think in general, kind of getting outside of, you know, bookstagram, book obsessed people and more just, I guess, you know, general public that read, you know, maybe just a couple books a year. And 
they've all been a little perplexed. Or I wouldn't say all, but there have been some that have been perplexed too by some of Reese's choices. And there have been a little bit of, of disappointment. So they've actually gone back to read some of her older ones, ones that they, they have missed to see if maybe that they would like that. So yeah, I think that's such a good point you made about maybe she's trying to find what her, her niche is. Because like you said, the other ones do kind of have especially Jenna really goes for literary fiction. So you kind of know Jenna is going to be literary fiction. Good Morning America. Um, they really are, are a wide range of books, but I would say it's still kind of more you know popular kind of fiction and uh, kind of more contemporary with a little bit of historical fiction. But yeah, Reese is, I don't know if she's trying to be the thriller queen <laughs> because I just think so many thrillers lately. And I actually had a an advanced copy of her latest pick, the uh, We Were Never Here. And I, I did like that one. I don't normally like thrillers, but I was thinking, gosh, it's just all the thrillers this year. I mean, a lot pickier. I just, I don't want to read these really disturbing books. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Not that books can't have a more, you know, I guess, darker tone, but I just, it's just a really, really disturbing. I'm just, I don't know, not, <laughs> not in the mood for it. I agree with that completely. And I mean, I've always been that way somewhat, but I have gotten pickier too. Yeah. Whenever it's a thriller, I feel like I have this kind of, I mean, almost a, a sigh when I'm going to read it. Like, okay. And then if it, it surprises me, I'm I'm happy, but I don't know if by surprise means I really like enjoy it all that much. Not, not maybe that book specifically, but just some other thrillers I've read. It's just I'm like, oh, it's fine. Fine enough for a thriller. But I don't know if I ever go, oh, I just love it. And everyone must read this thriller. I don't know if that'll ever happen. No, I agree with that. Recently, there was a Twitter thread where an author was mentioning that one of her readers had complained that the story wasn't realistic, and it was a thriller author. And she was like, it's fiction. It's not supposed to be realistic. And I thought, huh. And maybe that explains sometimes why some people like thrillers better than others. Because while I do agree it's fiction... I mean, I feel like it should be realistic. Like, that's one of my hangups. And I think that's why I get stuck on some of these thrillers. Because I'm like, nobody would ever do that. Or that's not really going to happen. Or that doesn't make sense. And then I kind of get pulled out of the story. So then I wondered, well, maybe people who love thrillers don't worry about the realistic aspect of it. Because to me, fiction doesn't mean it's not realistic. Fiction just means it didn't happen in real life. Not realistic is fantasy. You know, like if you go out into that and you're just making all this stuff up, then it's a much more fantastical or, I mean, if, if the fiction is super unrealistic, it's probably not going to appeal to me. How do you think about that? I understand it's fiction. And like you said, it didn't actually happen. It's not, you know, documenting an event or such or real people, but still there has to be some kind of realism for me, or I just, I don't know. I just, I get frustrated with it. I, I thought this was a, what you were going to reference. I saw a Twitter thread about an author complaining that a character's choice is not their choice, you know, that um, even if you don't like what a character has done, it doesn't mean the author supports it. It was just, you know, I guess for the story to move the story forward. And I totally agree with that. And I, I, I agree with this in, in, to an extent where I do not think a character is an author. You know, I, I don't think every story is a personal reflection of things they've gone through. I do agree with the component of it's not an autobiography. I mean, people can write about whatever they want to write about, whether they're like the cheeriest people around and they want to write very dreary stories or vice versa. Whatever that is, I'm fine with that. And I'm not like going to give the author all of these characteristics that the people in her books have. But I disagree that the book shouldn't be somewhat realistic like that. But I think it was part of that whole same thread. Yeah, it was her book. There's some underage, non, I don't know, activity going on. I guess I don't want to go down that path too much, but it was very, very disturbing. And 
I didn't really think was necessary in the story. I get that it was trying to show kind of people's villain bad side or, you know, whatever, what have you. But I think there was other ways you could have gone. And I think the shock value is just getting kind of just ridiculous with thrillers. Like, I don't want to read that. <laughs> I don't want to read anything like that happening in a book. And it just was absolutely bizarre and took me out of it. Yeah. And I, I haven't read that book because it didn't sound like it was going to be a book for me at all. So I had passed on it. So I didn't know what you're talking about. But I did see the the complaints that people were assuming the things that she wrote about were things that she condoned or things that, you know, were personal to her own life or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Those are, I guess, really two different things. One is what you condone and one is what might be more personal to your own life. But I thought it was a very interesting thread. And I always like to read those because I feel like it just gives me kind of the flip side of it. But I've thought so much about the one regarding the realistic versus fantastical. Maybe that's part of the problem, you know, because to me, I, I completely disagree with that. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. We are going to talk about the three clubs we like the most and the books we have liked and one we didn't like within each club. So why don't we start talking about Reese and you can go first and just, you know, if there's anything else about Reese's club you want to say, and then just tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, again, yeah, I was looking at some of those really um, older ones that I think were just big standout ones. And, you know, and I was thinking they were ones I probably would have read either way, maybe not Crawdads, maybe I wouldn't have been as familiar with it because she really elevated that one. But I, I definitely would have read Daisy Jones because of just such a fan of Taylor Jenkins Reid and Joy Joy Moore's. I know I would have read hers. So with that said, I was thinking, okay, I'll pick one that I probably would have not read, not even heard about. And um, so it's actually one she picked this year, even though I had been disappointed in many of her picks this year. So I thought Northern Spy by Flynn Berry was really well done. And so, you know, it's focused on Ireland politics. And I did not know much about it. It's one of those I feel I've heard about and had maybe just a little tiny bit of familiarity with, but it actually forced me to really look into and read about it because the author kind of dives right into it and gives a, it does give context, but it, it made me want to read more about what was actually really going on. And of course, I still don't have, I don't know if anyone has a real grasp on that historical context to the present. Beyond that, I mean, it was an interesting story about sisters and it is more of a, a mystery thriller, but it's not the thriller, the psychological kind of thriller. So I thought that was just really interesting and well done. And she also um, is a mom to a six month old and I have a six month old now. And I think when I read it, uh, Theo was three months old. So I, I guess maybe I, I kind of like that part too, was, was reading about a new mom. And uh, yeah, so I, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, highly, highly recommend it for a different type of story. I thought that was, it's kind of why I think celebrity book clubs can be really great highlighting stories you might not normally read. You know, I think sometimes when they go after the big popular ones that everyone would already read to begin with, I don't think it's as exciting. I think it's it's great when they can elevate one that might not have been on. It certainly wasn't going to be on my radar. I agree completely. And that's actually one of my two. I thought it was so interesting. And I loved interviewing her because I was so curious about the story and when it was set. And she actually said it a little bit in the future, which I didn't think was super clear in the book. Some of the conflicts that are happening have not really been happening yet, but she thinks that's where the country's going. And the other thing I'll say about that one is that Elizabeth Barnhill, who I occasionally interview, and I are working on a Patreon episode where we pair fiction and nonfiction that talk about the similar subjects. And so we're going to do Northern Spy with Say Anything, the Patrick Radden Keefe book that talks about the troubles in Ireland. Oh, I can't wait to listen to that. That's great. Yeah. So it's kind of fun because I think there are a number where 
There's a nonfiction book that kind of gives more details about the actual event. And then there's a fiction that creates a story around that event. And I just thought Northern Spy is fascinating. Again, it's not a, a thing I know very much about. I mean, I generally know the IRA, but I don't know much about the troubles and kind of where the problems began. So I thought it was a fascinating story. And like you said, it's definitely, it's a mystery, but it's not real fast paced. I mean, it's kind of a character driven mystery is how I would describe it. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, that's interesting about her saying it, it was a little bit in the future. So, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Cause I was curious because I couldn't tell when it was and there wasn't a date. And she said it was kind of set a few years in the future. And I thought, huh. So that was kind of interesting and a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Well, that's great to know. So what's your second one that you liked? One that really, really stood out to me. And I, I just said, you know, I probably would have read it anyways, but actually, no, with Crawdads, I don't know if I would have. So I, so going back to <laughs> old school, Reese, <laughs> uh, you know, several years back, I remember I had just, I had been in Bookstagram for a couple months and I kept seeing Crawdads all over and decided to, to finally read it. And I, I just thought it, it was just such a really impactful read and a really unique story. You know, it's one that's definitely, definitely stuck with me. And I, I think they're finally working on the, the film version. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it's going to be a film or a TV series, but I'm, I'm curious how that's going to portray. And I remember thinking that the ending, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I love how it ended either, but I still like the story quite a bit. And so uh, that was another one I'm glad that she elevated. And it, it's kind of interesting to think, would, would that have been as popular if, if she hadn't, you know, it kind of shows the power of the power of race <laughs> sounding like so dramatic, but you know that she really, she really does elevate authors that might not have gotten that much recognition. So I, I would say that's the other one that I was introduced to that I probably wouldn't have read uh, on my own. And you know the interesting thing about that selection was that it was months after the book came out, or at least several months. You know, because most of the time it's kind of around the time the book is coming out. But that one was picked several months later. So it was kind of interesting to see how it really did impact the sales of the book. Yeah, I think it, it just, I think it still might even be on the bestsellers list, maybe in paperback version now, uh, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, I mean, several years later and it's still still on there. So my second is a very unknown book, haha. Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I had read it ahead of time. I loved it. I love that era. I love music. It was just such a fantastic book. It's one of my favorite stories still. I know most people have already read it and know her and like her books, but I just thought it was fabulous. And I was so glad that Reese had picked it. Uh, that one is so good. Yeah, it's one of my favorites too. You know, it's funny because I, you know, I, I say, oh, you know, well-known or this or that, but people with affiliate links, you can see what people buy sometimes. And, uh, but people still buy Jay Daisy Jones. Been out for so long and everyone already knew it, you know, and all this or that. But I mean, there's still Still people discovering it. So it's good to kind of keep it in the dialogue. And uh, I think they are working on the TV series as well. So, you know, there's going to be probably a whole new audience get introduced to it because that Nine Perfect Strangers is out now. I haven't watched the Hulu series because I, I really didn't like that book as much as I like that author. And I've seen people say on Twitter how they hadn't read the book. And I, it's funny to me because I always just think, oh, people have already read it. They already know all about it. I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who <laughs> maybe they'll read it after they see a series. I bet, you know, Daisy Jones will probably hit back up there in the, the bestsellers. But yeah, that one is so good. It's one of those where you just wish every book could be like that, but then that wouldn't make it, it as special as it is. <laughs> if every book was that good, and so every book you read was just fabulous, it would be so nice. But I also think the other thing that may be happening with Daisy Jones this year is that there's been at least three or four books about that era of music and musician stories and female musicians. 
And a lot of them have said, if you like Daisy Jones, so I do think if people read songs in Ursa Major or Lady Sunshine or Opal and Nev, that, you know, there may be people saying, oh, well, I liked this. I probably would like Daisy Jones and going back and picking it up. Plus, she had Malibu Rising come out. And I think anytime an author has a big one come out, then sometimes people go back and read the earlier books if they hadn't before. Yeah, definitely. So which one did you not like of Reese or which was one you didn't like? So I, you know, you've been so nice to have me as a guest a couple of times. And I was thinking, hmm, I've already said a couple I don't like with Reese. So I don't want to get too repetitive. So I went back to the the earlier and I picked Still Lives by Maria Hummel. Um, That was one again where I was new to Bookstagram. And I guess what I mean when I was new to Bookstagram, it was you see a book everywhere on Instagram. And so you think, oh, I should read it. That's how I was originally when I was on on Bookstagram. And I thought, okay, I have to read this. Everyone else's. It's going to be good for the site. And it must be really great. You know, real, I was so naive about it. And I remember that book was everywhere. I think I think there were a lot of arcs for that one out. And it's not that I, I thought it was like, it wasn't, didn't give me a horrible bad taste in my mouth or anything like that, but it was just kind of an odd story. A great setting in the LA art scene, not a book or not a setting you see often. The mystery was just kind of okay. And the protagonist, again, it was that kind of way talk about with rollers. It just wasn't really, I, I don't remember really connecting with the protagonist or just, it, it was a struggle to get through that one. So um, even though there have been some more recent duds. I think that was my first, oh, okay, not every book's going to be good. I, I get, Maybe that broke my naive view of, oh, all of these books are going to be great. So I'm laughing because I loved that book. Did but you? I am one of the only people that I know that have read that book that loved it. And it's one of those that I grabbed it because I love art. So I loved the idea of this modern art museum. I don't love the serial killer aspects as much, but it was interesting. And I just kind of looked past the gruesomeness of it. And I just thought it was such a creative story. And I interacted with the author a little bit and she was writing the sequel. And, you know, that's been several years now. I have seen no sequel. So I'm so curious what has happened. But I recommended that. I had it on a recommended reads list. And when I spoke to groups and I had several people come back to me like, that book was terrible. So I think that's one of those times where the book somehow resonated with me, but not with a lot of other people. No, I I totally understand. I'm thinking I probably read that because you read it. Grandma's like, yeah, I probably told you to read it. No worries. And again, and you know, not just saying this. It wasn't one that I was just like, oh, I can't stand this. But I just, you know, it just didn't really, didn't really resonate. Well, mine is probably going to be one that everybody else is like, but I love that book. It's Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. And I have decided that I love Jojo's earlier books. Like I loved her first book and I loved Me Before You. I didn't love the follow-ups to Me Before You, but I loved Me Before You. But I haven't really done so well with her since then. I had already read The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, and I loved it. I really liked the story. I liked the way it unfolded. Then there was all that drama about whether JoJo had stolen some of the, you know, there was all the the lawsuit and the plagiarism allegations, and there was all of that. And so I still picked it up because I liked her earlier book so much, but it was so slow. I think I only got through like a third of it, and I finally just DNF'd it. It was very slow. So I, I, it's funny, I'm very similar to with Joy Joy Moore's like, I love same, same thing. I mean, I'm just, I, I feel I'm parroting, but I, I, me before you love so much, didn't, the same way with the sequels, just it didn't work. Um, I like a lot of her earlier work, Ship of Brides, I think was one that really stuck out. So she, you know, she's done some historical fiction that I thought has been good. And so Give Her a Stars was really long, I remember. And it, I, once I got into it, I liked it, but it took a long time. I was really struggling with it. Um, 
I actually only, I think, finished it because I was kind of working with BookSparks at the time and they wanted me to write book of questions. I don't know if they ever even used them, but <laughs> regardless, so I felt I had to read it. And then once I finished it, Sarah, really into this, sent me that article about the potential plagiarism. And I mean, I, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> story, but oh, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was crazy, you know? Uh, not that I couldn't believe that it happened, but it was just, it was shocking to read it and then finish the book and then <laughs> read about that and the similarities. And, you know, who knows what really happened there. And so I have heard that the book Woman of Troublesome Creek, like you mentioned, is, is really great. And a lot of people who have read both did say that they preferred that the book Woman of Troublesome Creek. And so I've been meaning to read it. You know, I just remember that one felt so long to me. I mean, it was. And I, like I said, I didn't even finish it. I just was like, oh my gosh, this is so slow. But it was definitely not my favorite. And before we move on, the other couple ones that really stood out to me for Reese were The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi and Next Year in Havana by Chanel Clayton, which you mentioned. And I really liked both of those. But those are earlier picks of hers. Yeah. You know, and again, that's I hope she kind of goes more back to that where books that would not have probably been on the radar. I mean, she really just elevated them and uh, really interesting, unique stories and uh, really well done books overall. So I I hope to see more of that. I agree. Well, let's go to read with Jenna because I feel like that's probably the next in level of prominence and what people check and want to know. And she has the Today Show platform. So I feel like that does kind of give her a wider audience. And I think the place where she falls down a little bit is the extra content. Like I really don't ever see much extra content from her. And I looked again today and I didn't see a ton. So maybe I'm just missing it. But I do like her picks. I think they're very solid. Yeah, I think that with Reese, she has the app now. And I think there is kind of more of a community sense. But with Jenna, it does seem to be kind of there's the announcement and then that's kind of it. And I'm sure, you know, obviously highlight is it on the show, but I don't know how many people are really watching the show all the time. You know, might watch clips here and there. But anyway, yeah, I think I think there's probably more that could be done to kind of make it seem more of a community. But anyway, with her, so again, you know, I've been talking about the four wins a lot. So I'm like, okay, I can't just say the four wins over and over, even though that has been one of my favorite of this year. And it's a book I would have read regardless of a book club picking it. So I feel that almost doesn't count. But I, I was thinking about Dear Edward. I think I read that because of you, actually. I think I remember you talked about it on Bookstagram because I was a little concerned to read it because as much as I, I do enjoy literary fiction, I feel that when it's so tragic it can be just kind of hard, hard for me to do. And when, it, when I read it, it was about a plane crash and this boy is the, the only survivor. I just, I wasn't sure. And then reading that it does partly take place on the, the plane prior to the crash. I just, uh, but anyway, I want to say something I read it because of you. And uh, I, I love that one. It's so good. So well done. I mean, it's, it's very sad, but it's handled in a very, I would say in a tasteful way and seeing his growth from overcoming the tragedy. It's just, it, I just thought it was such a, a well done and really kind of kind of heartwarming story at the end and a, a very good ending too. So I, I think that's a really great one. I read that book so early. It was coming out in either January or February and we go to Colorado every summer. And the reason I can remember this is because all the photos were of the mountains in the background. I read it. I was one of the first people to post about it. And I just raved about it. And I've had so many people say, I read that because of you. And I just loved it. I mean, I just thought it was such an amazing story. I was worried it was going to be a little grim. I didn't feel like it was. I feel like your description, Tasteful, is a really good way to describe it. But also, she just really delved into so many interesting and different aspects than I thought she might. And I just, I still think about that book. I mean, it is just such a fabulous book. And I think that's when I really thought, okay, I need to follow Jenna's choices, you know, more carefully, because that book is just outstanding. 
And I look back and there were other books that I really liked that she'd picked. But I think starting with that pick, I was like, okay, you know, she's really going to make her, I don't know what you want to call it, make her mark here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I exact same way where I wasn't really paying attention to her prior ones. I'm not even too sure when she started, to be honest. That That's what really kind of made me think, okay, you know, she she's one to, to keep an eye out on. Well, her first pick was actually The Last Romantics by Tara Conklin. And I had loved that book. And so I remember when that was picked, I had picked it for my book club to read. And I really liked it. And then I think I didn't pay much attention for a while. And then that one came, Dear Edward came back up. And I was like, oh, I need to pay better attention. But the first one that I loved by her that's a little more recent is Black Buck by Mateo Escarapur. And I loved that book. It has such a fabulous cover. So that is what caught my attention initially. And I requested it. And then I read it. And I just thought it was wonderful. And I reached out to interview him. And then I was thrilled to pieces when I learned that he had been selected by Jenna. I think it's a really relevant and timely book. And it's so funny. I haven't read it. Okay, I will read that one. It's really good. Okay, okay. I will definitely read that. That's great to know. And then do you have a second? I was happy to see her choose Malibu Ryzen. You know, again, um, it, it's it's like, does, does an author like Taylor Jeans really need a celebrity now to pick it after Reese did? But I'm glad. I'm glad she did because that was one. And I know I have talked about this on your earlier episode, but I, I love Taylor Jenkins Reid and I thought it was going to be a little too superficial with kind of like rich kids problems in California or in Malibu, how great it's going to be. But oh my gosh, I thought it was so good. I mean, Daisy Jones is still my number one and probably Evelyn Hugo is next, but Malibu Rising isn't that, that far behind. It is definitely worth a read. Okay. That's my don't like pick. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even finish it. And I tried like four times. Some people loved it. I mean, there have been, there's been more negative press about it than some of her others, but there have been a lot of people who really liked it. And I, so I kept picking it back up and I just thought it was so boring. And I don't know if I just didn't get to the part that was exciting. I don't care about these people. I don't care what's happening to them. It didn't really seem like much was happening to them. And I just couldn't get into it at all. No, I, I can totally understand it. Because again, there's a very superficial element. It takes a, it does take a bit to, to kind of piece away at it. And and I think it was there were scenes that were a little bit too much about the partying. They were just kind of random. I do remember kind of thinking, okay. But it's one of those, if you stick with it. But at the same time, like I have been there too, where people say that. And I'm like, I don't want to stick with it. There are other books to read. <laughs> Well, and the beauty of books, I mean, this is what I always say, the beauty of books is that they resonate with different people. So, I mean, that's great that you love it. It doesn't matter that I don't. And I think that is part of it. If we all like the same things, how boring would it be? Oh, no, def- definitely. I know. It's so funny, too. I think it all matters. It, it just can matter even what's, what happened to you that day. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, or how, what mood you're in. And so I feel that that happens to me where I, I pick up a book and I'm just thinking, I'm just not in the mood for this book. I have to set it down. I've also found the other thing that I have paid a little closer attention to during the pandemic is I don't really like to read ebooks. Like I like to read book books and I have found that I struggle more with ebooks. And that's what happened with Malibu Rising. Like I never had a physical copy of it. So then I sometimes wonder, is it just because I really like to flip back and forth and look at various things and I like the idea of reading a book? I don't really like reading on my iPad. But yes, it is definitely very different. The other one that I really loved of Jenna's was Valentine by Elizabeth Wetmore. I just loved that book. I think you participated in our discussion, didn't you? Or did you not? I don't know if I did that one, actually. That was one of our early COVID online book club discussion books, and we had a huge turnout for it. Of course, because it takes place in Texas, too. So I'm sure that helped. But 
I loved that book. And it's darker than I normally like as well, but I just thought it was so well done. So it was funny, Cindy, is that the one that I, I'm not the biggest fan? But it's not that I don't like it, though. And I'm not just saying it. It, it really, I was looking actually in my review of it because I, I remember having mixed feelings. And I was like, didn't you think it was that I, I just hated it or anything like that? Uh, so what happened was before I read it, someone, a bookstagrammer told me that, uh, you know, it's trigger warnings with it, that um, a girl is, is horrifically assaulted and that she kind of just disappears in the book. And it's about the people in the town reacting to it. And I think that that kind of skewed me a bit. N- not that the person told me they were trying to skew me, but I think I kept I kept thinking, oh, I wish they would have had more of the girl. I think Gloria was her name. I wish she would have had more of a presence. And I think that that could have changed it for me. But I will say the setting was so vivid. I mean, the I think it was 70s Odessa, Texas. And I did think some of the other characters were, were really interesting. And I, I I think, of course, something like that would happen. It would have the other women kind of introspective and, and just, I think there, there is, it's a great book club book to talk. I, I think it was just, I wish there was more with the, that character. If there would have been more presence with her, um, I think that that would have probably took it from me being kind of like, eh, I'm not sure to, you know, I thought this was really good. But I thought her writing was great though. So, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of complicated. It's like, it's not that I didn't like it. I just wish there was a little more um, with that one character. Well, there are a couple of things I'll respond on that. The first is, because I, I want to talk a little bit about people skewing your view. I'd really try hard for that not to happen to me anymore, just because it, I think it really can impact the way you view a book. But I almost felt like that was her whole point, was that you're in 1970s Odessa, Texas, and when something happens to a woman or a teenager like Glory, or she was Gloria and then becomes Glory is, you know, how is the area impacted and what's going to really happen and what's going to happen is what happened in that book. Like she's not going to have a very prominent role. And instead, everybody's going to be paying attention to what else is happening in the town. And I sort of felt like that that was the whole point. Mm, That's interesting. Uh, Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it does make sense because I'm sure when the author is working on it, and I'm sure with editing, I mean, it probably came up, you know, it's not something that I don't know. I feel like sometimes people think they do a gotcha thing sometimes with authors, if that makes sense. Like, right. uh, you know, oh, you didn't do this because you just didn't even think about it. Or you're, you're purposely not including all voices and stuff. But uh, that's an interesting point with it. And I do agree that that can have an impact. So I actually really <laughs> try to not read a lot of reviews uh, other than people I, I really respect. Because I actually... Um, when I was doing the research for it, because I remember you, you really liked Valentine and not that of course it doesn't mean our, our interests are always going to, we're always going to love the same books, but I, I was thinking, I do wonder if what impact that had. And if I would have even, to be honest, noticed it, if someone hadn't pointed it out to me, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. So, well, and I have found that like, I can be midway through a book and I'll be loving it. And then I'll be like, well, I'm going to see what other people say on Goodreads. And then it doesn't have that great a number. And you know, some of the comments, And then it ends up skewing how I feel about the book. And I'm like, this is the silliest thing in the world. Like, I was loving the book. Why am I worried about mostly people I don't even know's thoughts, you know? And so I I think that's really interesting. So I don't even go anymore to Goodreads until after. I mean, unless I'm trying to decide to read a book. But like, if I'm already reading the book and liking it, I just don't look at reviews. But the other thing that happened to me not too long ago was We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang. Somebody, and I don't even remember who said they didn't like it very much early on. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not even going to read that. But then I kept seeing all these glowing reviews everywhere. So for the longest time, I put off reading it, and then I ended up reading it on my vacation, and I absolutely loved it. It will be one of my top reads of the year. Then I was like, well, that is so silly that I listened to one person who I can't even remember, and that was my viewpoint of it. 
when a book looks good, pick it up and read it and quit listening to other people, unless it's somebody that has very valid concerns and somebody I line up with. Just random comments. I, I need to not let them taint me. I know it kind of brings you down a bit. I, I totally have had that too, where I, I, I'm liking a book and then I see a comment, you know, I go and search on social media and do, you know, do whatever. And I'm like, oh, but I like, you know, <laughs> I thought it was good. And then I think, oh, maybe oh, that is a good point. And then, you know, it does kind of skew you a bit. It, it, it's interesting how that there's kind of a, an odd human nature component to that. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of, I haven't read that one, but I, I did see on Twitter, you were talking about it. So I was thinking, okay, I should read that one. It sounds like one I would want to read too. So I, I figured I'd like it. it. Honestly, sounds like one Jenna would have picked. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised she, she didn't. Well, and it was one of the GMA buzz picks. You know, oh, they, well, we'll, okay. we'll talk about it when we get there in a minute, but because I couldn't figure out what the buzz picks were. So I looked it up before we were talking. But the last couple that I really like that I'll just kind of shout out to, we've already talked a little bit about most of them. Dear Edward, The Four Winds, The Dearly Beloved, which I loved, and then The Last Romantics. Those were other ones of Jenna's that I really, really liked, and I was glad she had picked. Yeah, Last Romantics one. That one really stood out to me. So then our last group that we're going to talk about, because it's not a celebrity, is Good Morning America. And I have just really loved their pick. And I like what they have been doing. Initially, they were just on Instagram, but they now have kind of a site devoted to it. And I, I loved The Personal Librarian. That's going to be one of the two that I highlight. And I just thought they did such a nice job with interviewing the authors and they had them at the Morgan Library. And of course, that story really lends itself to some of that. They kind of went above and beyond what they needed to do to highlight that book and certainly jettisoned it to the New York Times bestsellers list. I, I need to read that one. I'm really looking forward to it. I might pause on Poo Land and, and go to that one because I love Marie Benedict and I, I don't think I'm familiar with the other author. And so I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to read that one. Yeah, I think Good Morning America, we prop them up. I think they're the best. I think as far as with book taste, um, I, I just am like, God, they have picked some fantastic books. I was going through the list and I'm thinking, gosh, so Vanishing Half, I've talked about quite a bit. I've talked about on your show before. I mean, that's just, I think a must read. Um, in five years, we, we had that great discussion with the, the I guess the, the COVID book club <laughs> that, that you all had. Um, anyway, I could go on and on. But the, the one I picked, and I know we talk about it all the time, but I just have to continue to champion it. It's Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I, um, I just, oh gosh. I mean, what, what more can I even say about this book? I just think it was just so well done. And like, you know, I agree that the, the premise seems a little little out there to begin with, with, again, a trigger warning of, of a girl who is not just suicidal, she, she tries to commit suicide, but um, she ends up in this library where uh, it really is kind of a the different path her life could have chose. And so she can open a book and it, and it can be you could have gone to I think it's one you could have gone to Australia, and this is how things would have turned out. And it's really about um, answering the, the what if of life, because I think, you know, anyone can have a look back and wonder, you know, if they made a different choice, what, what could have happened and kind of just being, you know, happy with you know who you are and the choices you've made. And it sounds, uh, you know, I mean, it's a dark premise in many ways, but it's a really light book too, um, you know, and there's a lot of humor in it. And I read his previous one, um, How to Stop Time, and I didn't love it with his. So that's why I was a little unsure of it. But I remember just seeing it everywhere. And I love Good Morning America. So I thought, well, they chose it. I should read it. And you know, and I'm, I'm happy that you really enjoyed that one too. Well, that's what had happened to me. I didn't love How to Stop Time either. I mean, it was fine, but I didn't love it. And so I thought, oh, I'll just pass on this one. And I was so glad that you encouraged me. And then when they picked it too, I thought, okay, I really do need to read this book. But what I just loved about it, because I'm such a huge worrier, is you know that idea that you get hung up on, well, if I had just done such and such differently. The idea he plays out each one of those things for her. Well, like, 
you know, if I had stayed with this boyfriend that I broke up with, if I had kept this job, if I had stayed swimming and gone competitive, and if I had worked on my relationship with my mother, and then played out how that would have really impacted her life so that she was able to realize, okay, my life would have gone in directions that I probably wouldn't have liked at all. And so that you have to let go of those things, quit looking backwards and look forward and realize you've made those choices for a reason and that you just need to kind of look forward and see what's ahead for you. And I just, I just love that. I was a little surprised because I didn't realize about the suicide when I started reading. And it, that is a little dark, but once you get past that, the rest of the story is not at all. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So I love that one too. That's, that was on my extras because the, the first one I love was the personal library, which I've already talked about, which is Belle DaCosta Green. And she was a, a black woman who passed as white and was the personal librarian for JP Morgan. And I've talked about that book everywhere. So I'm sure people that listen to my podcast have already heard me yelling about it everywhere. But it's a fabulous book and I do highly recommend it. What's your second one? Let's see. So which one would I go? I'm going to go Long Bright River (laughs) because it's really long and there's a little bit of, oh, was it? There's not quotations. There's some kind of style choice that I didn't love, but it's a really, really fascinating book about, you know, showing uh, a police force covers the opioid crisis. There's another one about sisters. So I, it seems to be I do gravitate towards books towards sisters, just like with Northern Spy. And it was one I recommended to a, a friend that she she reads quite a bit, but she kind of reads more nonfiction. I remember she really loved that one too. So I thought that was a really interesting read. Again, a little long, but long, no pun intended there. But uh, <laughs> I, it was one that, that really stuck with me for a, for a long time. You know, I need to go back and read that. I remember when it came out, somehow I just had not read it early and then I never got to it, but so many people rave about it. And I'm glad you're reminding me. That's a good one to to make sure I go back and pick up. It, it's definitely worth it. Okay, good. My second one is The Husbands by Chandler Baker. And I love that book. Now, I know some people have not loved it quite as much. I mean, I think a lot of people have liked it, but there has also been some pushback on it. But I think that it is so relevant to what's happening today. And after just living through COVID, And I mean, I love my husband to death. He is a big help. So much more falls on me. And so just reading that story over and over again, I was like, oh, yes, I relate to that. Oh, yes, I relate to that. Now, of course, the Stepford Wives component of it, I don't relate to at all. But I think the whole idea of that is to sort of throw the story into kind of another type of, I mean, it is a little fantastical, but I think if you know it's a Stepford Wives, they've set it up very well to understand what's going to happen there. And I just thought it was so well done. And we're actually hosting her um, for our first back-in-person literary salon in September. So I'm excited. Oh, that'll be fun. I I haven't read that one, but I do want to read it. And I have seen a little bit of the mix. I hadn't read too much about the mix because, again, I'm trying to not let that influence me too much. But that's that's good to know that you really liked it. Um, And I thought it sounded like a really interesting premise. And they picked it something. Well, yeah, I pretty much like everything they picked. And it's a little slow to start. I will say it took me a while to get into it. So at first I was like, hmm. But I kept going and I just think, you know, especially as Theo gets a little older, but even now, like you'll just, some of it will will probably really resonate with you. And I just thought it was very interesting just to kind of see the way the world is and the way everybody operates. The one I did not like very much was The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell. And I don't know if that just is in my thriller bias. You know, I read and read and I kept thinking, what is going to be the thing that is causing all of this? And then I just felt it was such a letdown when kind of got to the part to figure out what was happening. And I thought the ending was sort of screwy. I couldn't finish, yeah, The Family Upstairs. I don't think that author, you know, I don't think her books are for me. I've given her other ones a try and they're just, they're really dark and really just 
all kinds of twists. So yeah, that one was on my list too of no, not my favorite. And you know, one I didn't love either was Sex and Vanity by Kevin Kwan, the Crazy Rich Asians author. It's not that I just didn't like it, you know, because uh, it's part of it's set in Capri. So that, that part's pretty nice, but kind of goes back to the superficial component, a little bit of a problem with Malibu Rising, even though I did really like that one. With, with Sex and Vanity, there's not really anything happening. I felt that that was kind of the point, And I don't know, he's so popular, it probably didn't ma- <laughs> matter. But it just kind of was a really light love story. There wasn't really any conflict, just a little bit. But um, I, I don't know, I had really high expectations. And it just didn't really, it was okay. I thought it was fine. It was a three star, you know, it wasn't, you know, horrible. And it wasn't really very popular either with book clubs. You know, they didn't really kind of gravitate toward it. I kind of figured after Crazy Rich Asians, they would all want to read that one. But I don't know, it just kind of came out again, it kind of was at the height of pandemic too, you know, so it was kind of an odd time. So that was kind of too, it's like you're reading it, we're all stuck inside. And it's like, oh, rich traveling, doing all this stuff. It's like, well, things aren't really so, <laughs> so hot, right, right at that moment. So you know, maybe maybe that was a component to it. But that, that was the one that was kind of like, eh, it was just okay. I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. But I definitely thought it was super light. I mean, I probably read it at a time when I needed that. I also feel like it's probably very hard to follow the Crazy Rich Asian books. The other couple that I really liked, we've talked about the Midnight Library and In Five Years, but the other ones that they've selected were 50 Words for Rain, The Lions of Fifth Avenue, and then you mentioned The Vanishing Half. But all of those were books that I really enjoyed that they had selected. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, another one I liked too was the Una Out of Order. Um, it was really unique and quirky. And um, I, I had a little issue with some of it. So it's not that I, I absolutely loved it. But I, I did think it was a good a good story overall, really unique story. People raved about that one. And I got through like maybe 20 pages of it. And then I got busy with something else and I never got back to it. But I do feel like I should probably pick it up again. Overall, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good fun story. Well, Heather, this has been so much fun. And when I was thinking about the episode, I was like, well, I hope we have enough to talk about. And clearly we did. This worked well. It was a great suggestion on your part to talk about celebrity and high profile book clubs. And it's been a ton of fun to hear which ones you like and why. And then I'm laughing to find that we don't match up on all of our books, which we usually do. So that's kind of fun to hear. I know. That's funny. That is so funny. Yeah, no, it's so great to, to chat about it. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's such a, it's, I think it's such a fun topic. And because they've just become more and more popular. And it's not just, you know, it, we all knew about, you know, Oprah, always heard about Oprah for, you know, years and years. So it, it's interesting, these other ones are starting to kind of rise. And, you know, we'll see what the, the ones you mentioned in the beginning of those start to get prominence as well. But I feel like Good Morning America is going to still be our top for, for a while, at least, unless, unless one of the other ones start to make a change. But Good Morning America, I think people definitely need to not overlook that one, even though they don't have a face with it. Maybe they should have us be the face. <laughs> yes, exactly. That will really help. Cindy Burnett and Heather Caliendo. Okay, now we're all going to read the books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bestsellers every time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Heather, for coming on the Thoughts for a Page podcast. It was a ton of fun. Well, thanks for having me, Cindy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please consider becoming a page turner in my Patreon program. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Thanks to Liza Nash-Taylor, author of In All Good Faith, and Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hello. 
welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.